What's up, Pelicans fans? I'm here to talk about the draft, and today we're going to talk about the top 10 players the Pelicans should draft. We're actually going to talk about more than 10 players, but this is a big board that I think is going to suit the Pelicans well, based on my personal draft philosophy. And before we get into it further, I just want to do a quick shout out to our sponsors, DraftKings. You can see the little promo code below, but hey, not going to waste any more of your time. Let's get into it. Let's talk about who these players are and why I think they're good fits for the Pelicans. We're going to blow through the top four pretty quickly because I think it's unlikely that the Pelicans move up to those picks, but we're going to spend some time on them. And then that's where the fun really begins is after those guys are off the board, I think the Pelicans have some creative options that they can look into. So number one, I believe Jabari Smith is the best player in the draft. He's a 6'10" forward absolutely elite shooter perhaps the best shooter in the draft he's drawn comps to a 610 clay thompson people talk about how he might be a better defense playing michael porter jr and he's super young only 19 years old an incredibly versatile defender i think he fits everything the pelicans need and has a tremendous amount of upside so he is my number one overall pick number two is chet holmgren I know this is controversial to to many, but I just think that the body of work that he's shown is absolutely incredible. He was one of the most productive players in college basketball as a freshman, dominant defensive force. And the biggest knock on Chet is his frame. As you can see on this picture, he looks like a pencil, but the frame has never really held him back in a meaningful way. It's never held him back from, playing physical it's never held him back from making a defensive impact it's never held him back from making an offensive impact i just think the the litany of skills that he has at his size allow him to make an impact uh, both day one and long term i don't think he's going to play center long term but he's just uh he's just a basketball player i think he'll be able to fit in and just play smart basketball number number three this is one of my favorite players in the draft. I do hope the Pelicans find a way to move up to get him, even though it's unlikely. It's it's Jaden Ivey. Not much to be said about Jaden Ivey other than he's probably the best athlete in, in the whole draft. I mean, I think he is that 1% of the 1% when it comes to his athleticism. No one can beat him uh, in a foot race down the court. He regularly runs circles around people in the half court. And then just the vertical pop where he's able to throw it down. Just a tremendous amount of standstill and open floor speed. He is a dynamic guard, the kind of guard that gives Pelicans fits. I think he is the third best player in this class and has a tremendous amount of upside because he is perhaps uh, the only guy in the top three here who can create his own shots on the regular and get to get to the rim at will. Number four. Paolo Bancaro from Duke. This is someone who I think has the ability to go number one, um, is probably going to be a top three pick. I have him at four for the Pelicans because I don't necessarily love his fit with Zion and Brandon Ingram. I think he is a high usage on ball player and to get the most out of him, he needs those reps with the ball in his hand. I think he needs to be able to allow to play make to use his size and skill to beat people off the dribble. And I'm not sure this is the environment where he's going to get those opportunities with Zion and Brandon Ingram taking most of those repetitions. And then, you know, CJ is another mouth to feed as well. Um, I know you're not supposed to draft on fit and you're supposed to draft the best player available. 
And if if I you know if if I was at four and I had Paulo fall to me, I would run and take that pick and celebrate. Um, would absolutely be happy. It's not someone I'm ever going to complain about drafting. So, but you know, I've given you my reasons why I think that he is fourth on my board when it comes to the Pelicans. Number five, and this is where things start to get interesting. I have Keegan Murray. Keegan Murray is perhaps the oldest player in in the lottery, or that's projected to go in the lotto. He is um, going to turn 22 before the season starts. He's 21 right now. I thought Keegan was perhaps the most productive player in all of college, and he was statistically the best post player in all of college. Um, He also has a tremendously versatile offensive skill set in the sense where if you look at a synergy play breakdown, he racks up category frequencies in, in all different categories. So as a pick and roll man, as a ball handler, uh, so as someone who scores off in transition, as someone who scores off offensive rebounds, off cuts, off spot ups, he shows that you can be put in any kind of system and you can play him in any kind of way. He can scale his usage up. He can scale his usage down. He can play next to elite shot creators. He can, you know, play in situations where he needs to be the person creating looks for others. I think that's probably the the biggest room for improvement on his part is again, creating for himself and creating for others, but just a person you can plug and play um, at, at many different positions, especially given his size at six, eight, six, nine, he's going to be able to play small ball five, which he did a lot in Iowa as well. And, you know, he would regularly take bigs off the dribble and leave them in the dust. So just gives you a lot of line of flexibility. And I think, the two-way potential of him is is very alluring and you can't ignore the productivity he had despite uh, some age concerns. Number six, I have Dyson Daniels. This is one of my favorite players in the draft. I would love for the Pelicans to snag him, especially if he drops to eight. He is a player out of Australia. He played for the G League Ignite, measured in at six seven. Um, and three quarters inches at the combine. So just under six, eight has a, just under a seven foot wingspan, someone that is going to be able to play and guard one through four. And what's really special about Dyson is his playmaking ability, his defensive tenacity, and the fact that he still has a considerable amount of upside as a shot creator for himself. I think what's really cool about him is that right now you could already see him plugging into a similar connective role that Lonzo used to play uh, with the Pelicans. But what's different about Dyson is that he's a much more physical player. He's stronger. He's not afraid of contact. He regularly throws his size around. He has a really good touch in the floater range. And the hope is he gets under Fred Vincent's program, develops a consistent jump shot, and it's all, uphill from there so Dyson Daniels I think a tremendous fit really hoping he falls to the Pelicans uh it's seeming like he's getting buzzed where he might go in the top seven I'm not entirely sure who would be the team that would pick him maybe it's Indiana maybe it's Portland or maybe it's a team that Portland trades to pick too but the Pelicans should count themselves tremendously lucky to have this player fall to them because I think he can play with every single one of the Pelicans players in any lineup combination. Just that's, that's the kind of versatility he shows. And I will relish the opportunity to deploy defensive lineups with Dyson and Herb Jones out there at the same time. That's going to make teams miserable, both at the point of attack and in, in helping situations. So he's someone I have 
quite a bit of faith in turning into a very good player and very early. What number are we on? Number seven. <laughs> Already losing track. Um, number seven, we have Shaden Sharp out of Kentucky. Sharp is a polarizing figure. He's young. He's projected to be one of the better players in next year's class. He reclassified, made himself eligible this year. Uh, has really, really interesting uh, pre-college tape because he didn't really play at Kentucky. Uh, he projects to be someone who is just a straight-up bucket, can create his own look, has effortless, effortless athleticism, um, can can jump with the best of them and just has um, like a, a very buttery jump shot. He draws comps to people like Paul George. And he is someone that has best player in the class potential. What makes him lower on my board a little bit is, you know, he is, he is 19 and we have not seen him play against any kind of meaningful competition. There isn't a fantastic track record uh, of, of players like him making this kind of jump to the NBA being uh, productive early on, but that's not why you draft him. And that's not why the Pelicans should draft him because they can afford to let this guy develop and take the time he needs and not be a savior of a franchise. So, you know, um, I'm not confident that if he was on the board, the Pelicans would take him based off of their drafting ethos, but he is an absolute uh, home run swing that I think every team should take a gamble on just because it's very rare that you're going to find players with best player in the class upside down at, at the seventh spot or the eighth spot. So that's my, that's my seventh player on this board for the Pelicans. Number eight, is another upside swing, someone I'm really passionate about. It's Usman Jang. He played for the New Zealand Breakers. He's actually a French player. Uh, he's 6'9", 6'10", extremely, extremely smooth player. I mean, he can create his own look. Uh, he can shoot over the top of, of any defense. He's extremely willing passer and a creative passer. I feel like he reads the floor really well, has a high feel for the game, and the, the concerns with him are the concerns of, of many young players. One, uh, how is he able to handle size and physicality of the NBA? He's um, slight in frame a little bit. Not He's not quite Chet, but, you know, he, he could uh, he could stand to put on a few pounds. And, and two, what does his jump shot look like? He had um, a season that was basically a tale of two halves. In the first 12 games or so uh, down in the NBL, he looked terrible. Just looked like he's not ready for any kind of professional play, certainly not ready to be a first-round pick. And then the second uh, half of the season, he really stepped it up, and um, his shot was going down. He was able to make uh, a consistent two-way impact. He was playmaking, and it just he looked like he had figured things out. I am less concerned about uh, him being able to handle the physicality of the NBA because I think the NBL is quite a physical league and there's been a pretty good track record of young prospects in that league so far, um, making the transition to the NBA. And you've heard quotes from guys like Jay Sean Tate and, and Didi Lozada basically saying like, Oh yeah, it's way more physical in the NBL. And so anytime a 19 year old can go up against uh, grown men in a professional setting, um, I don't discount that. And then to be productive on top of it, like he was in the second half of the season, I don't discount that either. I think his ceiling is extremely high because if a, a lot of his game mirrors what Brandon Ingram uh, can do, and and you can just see the appeal of having two six nine six ten guys who are able to contest shots in the defensive end, and then 
just score smoothly and pass the ball. I think this is the exact kind of player that teams need to be taking a swing on outside of the top five. And, and that's why he is my eighth player. Did I just say eight? Yeah, eight. I'm losing track. All right, eighth player in the draft. Big fan of him. I don't, ex- you know, we'll we'll talk about this in, in in a little bit. I expect him to probably be there around twelve. So maybe that's a that's a trade back candidate. Number nine, Jeremy Sohan of Baylor. Looks like that image is not a very high quality image. We're okay with that. Sohan again, six nine, super versatile player perhaps one of the better defenders in the whole draft. Um, he may have an argument for the best defender in the class, and he is extremely, extremely young. He had just turned 19 uh, this month. He is, if you love Herb Jones, if you love the tenacity Herb Jones plays with, you love that motor, you're going to love Jeremy Sohan. You're just going to love how he blows up actions um, both on the ball and off the ball, and j- he ne- he never stops. He's, he's relentless. And then I feel like he, at 19, is further ahead than Herb was uh, at this age. And then even, even as a senior in college on, on the offensive end, he has shown uh, ability and promise to play, make off the dribble. He can grab and go off of rebounds. He has also flashed a pull up mid range game. And so again, he's another project here uh, like Dyson, like, like Jang on the shooting aspect, but not all projects are created the same because all three of these players are very, very high IQ players and they're good at, actual basketball things the area they need to improve at is shooting and and the pelicans in my opinion have one of the best shooting coaches in the entire nba and they need to factor that into any of their draft decisions if you can get this guy shooting at a competent rate he's going to be a force on the defensive end for years to come and i think He's going to allow the Pelicans to play small but big at the same time. You can easily imagine lineups where he's the center, and then you have Herb Jones, and you have Zion Williamson, and you have Brandon Ingram, and then you have Trey Murphy. The smallest dude in that lineup by height is is Zion Williamson, which is absolutely crazy. Um, those, Those lineups are going to be able to rebound. Those lineups are going to be able to defend. They're going to be able to switch, and more importantly, they're going to be able to score. So absolutely love his fit. Um, I, I go back and forth between him and the I'm, and the next guy on my board, uh, who is Ben Matherin, someone that Pelicans fans absolutely love for good reason. This guy is a movement shooter. He can come off screens and nail absolutely difficult shots. He is has a very good release point. He is an extreme athlete too. He can get out in the open floor. We all saw his dunk um, in the tournament. This guy plays with a little bit of nasty. I mean, there is a lot to like about Ben Matherin. He is a plug-and-play type person as well with room for upside. He has upside as a creator. I felt like he flashed a bit of passing ability, um, perhaps that he wasn't able to fully utilize in in uh, in Arizona. But again, someone who is going to be able to give you buckets in a variety of different ways off the ball uh, to start his career with and hopefully develop on the ball. Um, the only reason I have him uh, lower than than initially uh, I wanted is because I think there is a question about what he gives you if his shot isn't going down. Hopefully he is able to score reliably in a way where that's not really a question. And hopefully he's able to address some of his defensive concerns, which in my opinion were related more to his offensive usage rate 
and just just lack of focus. And I think those things are correctable because he has the tools. And when he locked in, he looked really good rather than inability to read the floor or physically be able to do things or just know how. So um, I, I'm optimistic about him on the defensive end. And it's certainly something he's going to have to uh, showcase if he wants to get minutes early in his career on the Pelicans. Um, that is my top 10. Those are the top 10 players I think the Pelicans should draft. Now, I have five others who I think would be really good fits. Um, they have some upside, and I think the Pelicans really need to consider uh, if they're going to trade down because. On my list, as soon as Dyson Daniels is off the board, I am open to trading that pick and moving down to 12, maybe around where OKC is, and going after some of these guys that might fall. And who knows? You know, I think I think Lushman Jang, we've already talked about him. He's probably going to be there at 12, in my opinion. Jeremy Sohan might be there at 12. Um it's a possibility. I think that's still within his range, but these next five guys that I'm about to talk about uh, will almost certainly be there at 12. And I think there isn't that huge of a gap with uh, between these guys and, and the guys that I have after Dyson Daniels. So here are my next five. Number 11, uh, a fast riser, a teammate of Benedict Matherin, Dalen, Terry. Um, he is a young sophomore, just turned 19. He is about the same size as Dyson Daniels, um, has a slightly bigger wingspan. He is extremely versatile defensively. You watch his tape and he does some of the stuff that Herb Jones does where he just appears and creates steals because of his wingspan, generates offense uh, for himself in that way. He is extremely crafty passer uh someone on twitter had put up a like a top 50 dale and terry passes reels and some of them are absolutely mind numbing he has great vision at his size a great handle at six seven he is slighter of frame uh than dyson daniels so like i don't expect him to be able to play the four but to be able to defend and play one through three uh is very much in the cards maybe four eventually down the line uh, but that, not not a day one thing there. But again, being six seven, having around a seven foot wingspan, um, just allows you to play in any number of of lineup combinations. And he's someone that also, like Dyson Daniels, is an insane outlet passer. Someone who can rebound the ball and either take it himself or just <clears throat> find the open space. And, and his open floor play is, is absolutely amazing. And I think he has a lot of potential in the half court uh, as well. He was a decent catch and shoot three point shooter. He got to the rim at a pretty good rate and created for himself about like half of his looks. He needs to be on everyone's radar. I feel like Dalen Terry is not that, that far of a prospect from, from Dyson Daniels. And <clears throat> if you can grab him at 12, that's, it's a good pick. Number number twelve, Malachi Branham. This guy, in my opinion, is gonna is a very very underrated scorer. Um, also, uh, a young sophomore, he is someone who can score at all three levels. Was primarily a mid range guy. He wanted to be. Uh, he he would like to c- come off of a screen and take that one dribble pull up. Um, very crafty. His game reminds me a little bit of CJ's, a little bit of Brandon Ingram's, 
uh, he was extremely efficient. You know, he shot at a high level at all three levels. And I think it's not going to be unreasonable to project him to become a three-level scorer in the NBA fairly quickly. He's going to be able to score on the ball, off the ball. I think his production can't be discounted. Anytime you can get versatile three-level scoring, you should you need to look into it. Uh, number 13. Going to take some water here. Number 13 is Johnny Davis. I'm not the highest on Johnny Davis, but if I'm high on Dyson Daniels, if I'm high on Dalen Terry, then I need to put Johnny Davis up here because he gives you a lot of the same stuff in terms of being a connective piece, someone who can also create his own shot at a pretty high level. I think he's a better scorer than Dyson Daniels and Dalen Terry. Uh, he's a very, very good defender. I don't buy that You know, he's going to transition into becoming an off-ball player and a complimentary player as well as those other guys, but that's the appeal with him. Someone who can glue together a lot of pieces and will give you 100% on the defensive end. So if, if you can tap into that and he, you, you fix his shot a little bit and you, you can turn him into a three level scorer, I think it's a, it's a, it's a nice bet to have. Um, I'm not as confident that he'll get there, but I do think that he's going to be provide value on the defensive and, and, and he's a, he's a really, really good rebounder. So he's going to be able to play a Josh Hart like role pretty easily in my opinion. Um, but his fans will tell you that he has a lot of scoring upside as well, and that's why he belongs in the conversation here. Number 13 is Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara. He is also on the older side. He is 21. He just turned 21. Um, a really complete player, in my opinion. Um, someone who's had point guard reps. He's 6'5", 6'6", with a 7'2", wingspan. He's going to be able to um, defend multiple positions. I don't think particularly well. <clears throat> I think he is on the slower side, maybe like like a Malcolm Brogdon a little bit, but incredibly smooth, someone who's a little shifty. We've seen the highlights of him just crossing uh, crossing up Chet Holgram multiple times. He is, again, I think a very competent guard, and you can't have enough ball handlers who can score and shoot and dribble and pass and with, with size. I think those are things that every team needs and I'm I'm a big fan of his game so I have him at number 14. Finally 15 um I usually am very very anti uh drafting bigs who can't really shoot in the lottery but I think 15 is a good spot for a guy like Mark Williams out of Duke had tremendous measurables I'm I'm a pretty big fan of his feel I have him I think I'm leaning uh, Mark Williams over Jalen Duran just for that reason. I think he is a little bit better uh, in terms of defending the perimeter. I think he can switch, which is really valuable given the fact that he like posted one of the highest standing reaches in uh, all uh, in, in combine history. So just getting someone that's going to be a productive center and hopefully be your starting center for the future um, in in two or three years isn't a bad pick at 15. I know people are probably wondering where where is AJ Griffin um, did make my cut. I, I I think Mark is the Duke player I would take before AJ. Uh, and you know maybe that's just a fault in in my evaluation. Maybe I'm not giving AJ enough credit, but AJ is a really really good shooter, and that's about it.
and he's really young. He has a, what he has going for him is that, you know, he's a missed two years of basketball and he has a lot of room for improvement, but that's also the scary part is he's missed two years of basketball and he's only 18 years old. And I think there's enough questions around him. And and part of my philosophy is again, what do you do outside of shooting? AJ doesn't really answer that question for me. I'm big fan of, of just getting a player at 15 where you know that, Hey, they're going to give you something. So Mark Williams and that ladies and gentlemen, Rounds out my 15. I really want the Pelicans to be able to draft Keegan or Dyson Daniels. Once those guys are off the board, I'm a big fan of looking to trade back. Like I I would be happy if they ended up with Benedict Matherin. I'd be happy if they ended up with Jeremy Sohan at eight and they didn't trade it. I am not going to be upset about those outcomes. Absolutely not. However, I think, the gap between those players and some of the players that I mentioned, Usman Jang, <clears throat> Dalen Terry, is, isn't is all that big. And if you can get those other guys at 12 or even leave yourself an outlet to get Sohan at 12 and pick up future picks and maybe create cap space by getting off Devontae Graham's contract, that's something you absolutely need to explore. But only do that once you know for a fact that Keegan Murray and Dyson Daniels are off the board. So, that's where I'm at with the with the draft at this moment. I'm sure my mind is going to change a million times. But those are the people I think the Pelicans should draft. And now I'm going to do a little shout-out to the sponsors, DraftKings. You know, the finals are around the corner, and DraftKings is running promotions. So if you bet $5 on the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use our promo code BOOT right there, B-O-O-T, it's only $5 you get $150 in free bets. And actually, if you use that promo code on the UFC 275 and and you bet $5, it's the same promotion. You get $150 in free bets because DraftKings is the official partner of UFC. And this is something you should look into. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Please see... uh, Please call 1-800-GAMBLER if you or someone you know has a gambling problem because crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling that number, 1-800-GAMBLER, which is 1-800-426-2537. So shout out to our sponsors. We're very happy that they're able to help us, and thank you for listening.